Hello and welcome to the Giddy Carousel of Pop. This is a podcast all about the sprightly pop refreshment known as Smash Hits, the fortnightly music magazine which ran from 1978 to 2006. And uh, what we do is take the staples out of an old issue, spread it across the floor, snip out our favourite bits and then get busy with a prick stick and stick them in the scrapbook. Uh, figuratively speaking, that is. We wouldn't actually do that. We'd just talk about it, really. Um, as for who we are, well, I'm Simon Galloway. And with me as ever is the delightful Gavin Hogg. Hello there. Hello there. And uh, our guest, waiting. So actually, we're your guest because we've, we've invaded your house. So <laughs> no, it's fine. We've subverted the form here. But um, So imagine that you know we're waiting at a fairground to have a ride on the carousel. So, so waiting with us, we have Rachel Gallatly. Now, the carousel has landed at the end of the 80s, the 17th to the 30th of May, with Matt and Luke from Bross looking all mean and moody on the cover. And if you want to read along with us, you can do just that, thanks to a couple of amazing websites. Brian McCloskey's Like Punk Never Happened, or the Smash Hits Remembered website. So you'll find links to this edition in the show notes, along with um, Spotify and YouTube playlists that feature pretty much all the songs and artists that are featured in this thrill-packed issue of Ver Hits. And uh, we'll also post these links on our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Just search for the Giddy Carousel of Pop or Giddy Pop Pod. Now, before we clamber aboard the carousel, let's set the scene and find out what each of us was up to in May 1989. Gavin. Okay, May 1989, I was coming towards the end of my first year as a student in Middlesbrough at Teesside Polytechnic, as it was then. First year living away from home in a little rented house right near Ayrson Park, which was the old football ground for uh, Middlesbrough. Living with three guys that I didn't know. There was a brummy lad... In fact, there was two brummies that I was living with. The one I remember the most was called Carl, with red hair, who once did something undescribable in a kitchen bin. Uh, I will not repeat that story. I think everybody's got a story like that. Yeah, um, but anyway. And, uh, and there was a, a very sweet young lad called um, Adrian from Sunderland who was really into uh, synth pop. He played keyboards, he had a, a little setup in his bedroom, and he was very much into Erasure and Depeche Mode. And also actually very much into Bross. He was quite he was quite camp and he liked a lot of stuff that you would have thought kind of younger teenage girls would like, but he also liked, you know, Depeche Mode at that time were going a bit more kind of getting away from the pop end and, and doing dark stuff. So that's who I was living with. And in terms of um music, I suppose quite a typical student uh, at the time, you know, first year of uh being away from home, going to quite a few gigs. I was a member of the Alternative Music Society. So the first gig I went to with them was we went on a minibus from uh, Middlesbrough up to Newcastle or Sunderland, see the fall in December of 1988, sort of a few months before this. Uh, stuff I was playing a lot at the time. I really loved the first Wonder Stuff album, George Best by Wedding Present. I know it'd been out a year or two, but I listened to that a lot. Viva Hate hadn't been out that long then. Happy Mondays bummed. I guess that was around about that time yeah, as well. Yeah. It's kind of like John Peel light kind of things that I was listening to not a lot of pop and we didn't have a tv in the house because we were poor students so I'd not seen top of the pops for a while by that time and I guess really all the music news and kind of information about music was from the NME, Melody Maker and Sounds. So Smash It wasn't really figuring in, in your world by this time? It really wasn't no it hadn't been for uh, probably three or so years by that point I guess yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I used to religiously buy all three of the weeklies, yeah, 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 and get those. I think Q was felt a bit too kind of middle of the road and a bit too kind of adult 
for me, so I didn't get that. But there was no, it's probably just those I, some fanzines, I guess, things that would pick up from Fernley's Record Shop on Linthorpe Road, which was a great little independent shop. So that's where I bought most of my music, either there or in the Cleveland Centre, which is like the main little kind of shopping centre in Middlesbrough. There was a an hour price records which ended up working out a few years later. Dream job. <laughs> it's great, yeah. So uh, I used to go between those, but Fernley's was right near the Poly, and it was a great little place to hang out, and they had cool import singles and all the indie stuff, so um, that was my main place. Well, I, I'm May 1989, so let's see, I'm in the... Fourth year at school, so I'm 15 years old. Um, but more importantly than, than my GCSEs, I'm playing guitar in a band. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a band that I'd formed with my best mate, Chris. Um, he played keyboards, I played guitar, and we, we did songs like um, a song about uh, nuclear annihilation called Total Desolation. <laughs> um, another one that was called Light in the Night, uh, the lyrics were, it was a Thursday evening, I was driving through a wood, my target was to get home. It's about the car breaking down. And essentially, the, the song was about somebody trying to get home in time to watch Top of the Pops. <laughs> um, but, but by this time, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd got a drummer, we'd got a bass player, and we were you know, trying out various people for singers. And it, it was around about this time that I did a terrible thing, and I chucked Chris out of the band. Oh, he was my mate, and... Other people had kind of got involved in the band and influenced me. And um, so it wasn't because he was rubbish. We were all rubbish. All right. so, <laughs> but he was the only one who was who'd actually had, had keyboard lessons. He could play the theme from EastEnders on the piano at school, which everybody found very impressive. Mm. Uh, the rest of us all just kind of you know clattering away, um, not really knowing what we were doing. Um, but by that time, we got other people in the band. So it was like five people who didn't know what they were doing. Hmm, what should we get rid of? And sadly, it, it was Chris. Let's but, get rid of the kid who knows how to yes, do yeah, something. Yeah, let's get rid of the kid who knows how to do it. So, um, but he and I were up until that point really close friends. And it just went a bit weird after that. You know, we chucked him out of the band that we, we'd formed. In terms of music that I was listening to at that time, it's a right old mishmash. I, f- I found a tape that I made. Uh, around this time it's got Jesus Jones on it mm-hmm. and Roachford mm-hmm. and then The Who and I'm kind of like all over the place around about this time but I'm discovering that there's more to music than what's in the top 40 I'm kind of getting this big overview of it all going downtown every Saturday trawling the record shops or going to record fairs and finding old David Bowie singles and and things like that but the other like really big thing for me, and I didn't realise this, I, I tracked down a, um, an old edition of the Radio Times from around this time. I was looking at the radio schedule, and I must have been listening to the radio pretty much non-stop, listening to John Peel in an evening yeah. during the week, you know, whilst trying to do my homework. The Friday Rock Show with Tommy Vance, because being in the band, and it was all about the rock yeah. and, and, and all that kind of thing. And then had, uh, there was a guy on a Saturday afternoon called Roger Scott, and he would play very, very grown-up music. Mm. But that was where I you know, properly got into REM through hearing them on there. And then the Behind Nightingale on a, on a Sunday evening. Still listen to the Top 40 as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of like all over the place, exploring lots and lots of different things. And watching a lot of telly as well. Um, I went through the TV schedules and there was Rapido that was oh, on yeah. around Rapido. that time. Rapido. Yeah, with like Antoine de Corn. And yeah. But it was when all that youth TV was the big yeah. thing around about then, which I never quite got on with all that. It just seemed ridiculous to me even then, even though it was supposed to be 
aimed at me. So I never really got on with that. But um, yeah, any kind of like alternative comedy stuff I've been watching. But the one thing that kind of dominated all our lives and dominates music as well, and, and just sort of like our culture at that time is Neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> Inescapable. Yeah. And handily, the Radio Times has some of the uh, descriptions of each day's episode. One thirty, Neighbours. Helen is thinking of renting a flat which has a sinister past. Mm-hmm. Panic ensues when Henry shows he can't carry that weight. I don't know what weight he's trying to carry. <laughs> I don't know, just the weight of his own head. I mean, you, you, yeah. you said he got a very wide neck. Unfeasibly wide neck, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and in Smash It, there's a little photo of him and uh, they call him something like Craig, very nice teeth McLaughlin. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on up top there for Craig. So yeah, that, that was, that's pretty much me around that time in 1989, just all about the music and Neighbours. Rachel, what yeah, about there's, you? there's some crossover there, actually. So I was a couple of years younger than you, so I was 13 at the time, and Smash It's absolutely was still the centre of my universe then, along with Top of the Pops and the Top 40 chart on a Sunday. Pretty much listened to the whole of that every, every Sunday. But also the music that was on Going Live, um, if they have any acts on there. But I used to be a big fan of the chart show as well, oh, yeah, which always show. came after yeah. going live. So, And in some ways, that was kind of a bit of my progression because I was starting to find out new music. So, of course, the indie chart. Um, and friends at school had older brothers and sisters. They were getting more into... I mean, obviously, that year you'd got Hup released by The Wonder Stuff. Um, that was something that I was moving towards and the Stone Roses' first album came out there. But at this point in the year, I think the only live gig I'd been to at this point was with my mom to see Elkie Brooks. Oh. I think that was in February of that year as a 13-year-old. Was that your first proper gig? I think that was my first proper gig, yeah. First proper gig with friends came a couple of years later and that was the Levelers at Leicester de Montfort. So at this point, I think I'd only seen Elkie Brooks with my mom. Um, but yeah, Smash It's absolutely was um, where I got you know, all of my information from and, and friends at school read it, you know, for every fortnight. Um, most of the time I would listen to the radio. My mum was a big Radio 1 fan. So like you, I can trace my day uh, <laughs> through the Radio 1 schedule. So Simon May on The Breakfast Show. If I went home for lunch, Gary Davis. Then uh, Steve Wright in the afternoon with his Mr Angry and all, <laughs> all that business. And then, of course, John Peel on my headphones in bed at night because I didn't want to have to share that. Uh, with anyone so yeah big radio one person and then I used to get money every month for doing chores around the house and I would usually go to what records or our price and buy a cassette yes Um, and again looking at the music I was into at the time it was a big crossover time for me because although I had my mum and dad's musical influences and um, they had boxes and boxes of vinyl in our house and very different I mean they, they pretty much between them covered all the genres Pop, soul, rock, Motown, folk. Uh, my mum was very much Elvis, Deep Purple, Motown, whereas my dad was Beatles, Crosby, Stills and Nash, James Taylor. So actually I had quite an interesting diet yeah, growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then for me, at this point, I still massively love the five star, you know, and the going live incident in 1989. <laughs> Did not find that funny at the time. Do you know that guy, Elliot Fletcher, has recently apologised for his outburst really? on going live? Yeah, 30 years later, <laughs> he's finally apologised to Doris on Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, look it's it up. It's been gnawing away his soul. <laughs> oh, yeah. been bugging him for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, I think so there's a five stone there, some Madonna, obviously. Betty Boo. Oh, yeah. I love Betty Boo. And I think actually, Betty Boo, uh, Fuzzbox, we'll come to talk about in a minute because they, they feature in this Smash Hits. And of course, Transvision Vamp, I think were kind of that, they were kind of the gateway girls, hmm. you know, between pop music and more kind of attitude, indie. I think, you know, you can kind of trace hmm. a, a, you know, a line where, you know, they help qu- cross that bridge. And of course, Nana Cherry. And Alky books. <laughs> <laughs> Always yeah. Alky. So you chose this um, edition of Smash It's for us I to did. look at. I did. Well, why, why did you choose this particular one? What drew you to this one? Because I read that front to back, back to <laughs> front to back again. Because at this time in May, um, I was actually in Skegness Butlins. Oh, no, hang on. Minehead Butlins. And I was really poorly. So I remember the trip. We always went on holiday the week before Springbank because it was cheaper. Yeah. My parents were quite poor. So we would go to Butlins when it was super cheap the week before everybody else went. And I remember in the car on the way listening um, to the Beautiful South song Forever and thinking how what an amazing song it was and how clever it was. Um, and then I don't really remember much of the beginning of the holiday, but I do remember eating a Cadbury's Crunchy and then getting a sickness bug and just throwing up honeycomb. Mm. And I still can't eat honeycomb to this day. Absolutely rancid. And of course, you know, both ends wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> Mum, dad and sister, well, we're at Bullens. What do you expect us to do? We're going to go out and have a nice time. So you can just stay in bed all day. And this sickness bug lasted the rest of the holiday. Oh, no. And I had nothing oh, else to wow. do but read this copy of Smash Hits. So it's very special to me. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not going to bring back any Sicky memories. memories. Yeah, no. Some, some deep feelings. Going no, it was, it, was, it was good. It was, it was, it was a good issue yeah. as well. And bumper. Looking at the uh, front cover now. So you've got Matt and Luke just, you know, well... I don't know which one is which. I I don't really know. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that's the singer and and he's he's, yeah. he's the drummer. Yeah, that's Matt. That's Luke. Okay, right. Yeah. Thank you. So Matt's looking moody and a little bit cheeky. Luke mm. just looks confused. Really, mm. he just looks like, what are you doing? Yeah. What, 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 where are we? Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. um, but the big news here is uh, an exclusive interview with the boys. Craig leaves Bros. <gasps> Matt and Luke explain why pages 22 to 27. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that. But also mentioned on the front here, the London boys, Edelweiss, Fuzzbox, Stefan Dennis, Pat Sharp, um, Merlin. Not the wizard. Ooh. Yeah, not, not <laughs> the a wizard. Rapper. And then the 16 hit song words, including Queen, Ferry Cross the Mersey, Hue and Cry, Poison, Roxette and Shaka Khan. So let's get stuck in. Of course, we get straight to the uh, what I like to refer to as the beating heart of Smash Hits, <laughs> and that's bits. And um, the first thing that really struck me about this, about coming back to it, because on, on our last edition of the podcast, we were looking at a, an issue from 1985. And what strikes me jumping forwards three and a half years is just how busy it is in the design. Lots of arrows and text being circled, and there's a lot, a lot going on. Lots of colours being used, mm. clearly aimed at kids and not forty-six year old men. Because there's, there's, <laughs> there's some writing on here that I can't, I can't just. Can't I know some of the prints, yeah, not not even with uh, with my glasses on here. But did you notice that the little decorations in between the columns and things like that? 
It's the giddy carousel of pop. It oh, is, yeah. yes. So it's that's a, horse, a little horse, a little horse yeah. and the carousel oh, and everything else, all those bits in between, yeah. that it's all about the fairground. In fact, it does say at some point, you can see that it says fair on the thing. And I just, I just thought that was really nice. <laughs> uh, and I'd never actually noticed that before. So, so that was good. So we've got um, in bits the roundup of uh, news and happenings, a little profile on Roxette. See, I couldn't like Roxette because my mum was a big fan. Yeah. But she used to get the, the lyrics wrong. Right. For a long time, instead of you got to get dressed for success, my mum would go around the house singing, you got to get dressed for some sex. <laughs> <laughs> mum usually get undressed for that. Yeah. <laughs> Very hard yeah. to do. That way round, yeah. yes. So that was out of bounds. You couldn't like something your mum liked. Um, Kylie Minogue's drawn a little flower. Again, can't read it. The text is way too small. You've got it on the screen there, Gavin. Can you zoom into what Kylie Minogue's saying there? So she says, you want me to draw it? Oh, um, scribble, scribble. That's not meant to be a smiley face, as in an acid house smiley face, by the way. It's a smiling flower. And God comments, thunderbolts, ahoy. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think they've made that up. I don't think Kylie said any of those things or drew that, that smiley face. No. Sorry, I don't, what you I don't believe Smash It. They, they got members of U2 to draw ducks. That's <laughs> true, they did, yeah. I can believe they would have done yeah, that. Yeah, I, 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 I think they did, did yeah. get Kylie to, uh, to draw that. So on, on these uh, pages of bits, anything that, that leaps out, anything you want to, uh, oh. to give a mention to here? Well... I mean, on the next page, it's just the fantastically brilliant article about uh, a Queen fan convention, which it's a whole page given over to Queen, whose new single, um, I Want It All, was just out. And it's about a fan convention which was taking place in Pontins in Rye uh, in the southeast of England. And so... Basically, the fans get together to watch videos, do a quiz, there's some auctions, some tribute bands, and, you know, it's there's, there's just loads of great stuff in here. There's a great bit where um, the woman of the uh, the fan club, Jackie Gunn, she's talking about the favourite Freddie imitator, because they've, they've got some <laughs> different imitators, and uh, Smashes asks, where are the Sir Frederick imitators, Jackie? And then uh, she's quoted as saying, well, our favourite Freddie isn't actually here this weekend, she explains. He's a miner from Yorkshire called Neil, and his wife's just about to have a baby, so he couldn't make it. He looks so like Freddie that he actually makes money out of it by opening bingo halls and fates and things. <laughs> so I love that. I love that idea of, like, Neil from uh, from Yorkshire, the miner, who he couldn't make it because he's opening a bingo hall somewhere. And there's also a hilarious bit. There's a little photo of, uh, of a Dutch tribute band. <laughs> This really made me laugh. It says, some of the most really exciting activities that occur at night, starting with the Dutch mime group who took Pontins by storm the night before with their imitation of Queen. Now there's a surprise. <laughs> and have agreed to repeat their performance for the benefit of the press, in inverted commas. They deliver a vigorous, <laughs> a vigorous rendition of It's a Kind of Magic, which is all dreadfully good apart from the fact that they look nothing like Queen whatsoever. <laughs> the Freddy doesn't have a real moustache, it's painted on. The Brian is actually blonde, but has a curly black wig on. The Roger is actually blonde, like the real one, but the John is unmentionable. <laughs> and then there's quote marks, it says, We have performed on a video for Freddy, yodels the Brian, whose real name is Eric. And we have send it to Freddy, adds the Roger, who's actually called Yoss. And he say, it is fantastic, yes. So that was just great. And there's a lovely little photo of them. Uh, yeah, really not looking much like Queen at all. <laughs> it just really made me, it really tickled me because it's so, it just kind of comes across as being so kind of amateurish. And, um, 
but obviously done with a lot of love and passion for the band. But there's no none of the kind of professionalism or oh, pizzazz yeah. that you'd get now, or something right. like this. You know, it's obviously just been arranged like really quite well, <laughs> just with passion and nothing else. Yeah, I think, yeah. You know, um, yeah. But um, well, the fact that they have a Queen Mastermind uh, competition, uh, and the eventual winner. Kathy Gallagher is an old hand at these things. She won it two years ago <laughs> as well. I spend all my money on Queen stuff, she pipes. Aww. I'm unemployed, so sometimes I starve for them, but it's worth it. <laughs> I've met them several times outside recording studios and the like, and I've got an umbrella that Brian gave me and a Christmas <laughs> card from his mum. It's those sorts of things that make it all worthwhile. Oh, Aww. that's quite sad, isn't it? Really? <laughs> and, uh, and you, you mentioned the, uh, the auction. And um, oh, yeah. what one of the prizes was uh, <laughs> the most famous breeks in pop belonging to Sir Frederick, because he always refers to him as Sir Frederick yeah, of Mercury, um, as worn on the works tour, which were bought by one Connie Parker from the Isle of Wight. A snip at £550. Is she mad? Oh, I'd have paid up to £900 for these, she breezes. She is mad. <laughs> <laughs> I've saved a pull here. These are my holidays. But I'm really chuffed. Look, all this dirt, all this sweat. I can't wait to get home and try them on. <laughs> Rock and roll. Phew. That's horrible, isn't it? It's wearing these sweaty old trousers. Yeah. It's just, just a, a tremendous piece. And I think that's that's another thing that struck me about this is that the, the writing in it is just fantastic. Oh, it really, really made me laugh brilliant. reading this. And it doesn't let up. It keeps up the tone and that persona all the way through, regardless of who's writing the pieces so yeah. i think in, in times past if you you know go earlier into the 80s and the beginning of, of smash hits there would be differences depending on who'd mm. written it and things like that there's Where a lot of this? inverted commas oh there is yeah, yeah. loads yeah. and loads yeah. so it's like clearly divorcing yourself away from what's being said <laughs> yeah because like you know these people are all clearly mad yeah <laughs> you know, whether they're a pop star or some nutty fans <laughs> and and i've started talking in inverted commas, commas yeah. and it's, it's, it's just sort of happening and i did used to do that back in the day that's that's how <laughs> yeah. we used to talk we always do you know you'd scribble things on each other's uh, maths books and stuff like that and you'd do it in inverted commas and yeah and it's it's start it's starting to take a hold on me again <laughs> We then get straight to one of your highlights, I guess. Yes. Things you need when you're a member of Fuzzbox. Yes, this is correct. To be honest, most of the features with Fuzzbox split them into four and ask them the same question. It was a bit of a format. And this one is things that you need. So they kind of just choose some random personal belongings and then talk about them. So to be fair, it's actually... I mean, it might have been because of the illness and nothing else to read. But <laughs> to be fair, it's probably not the best Fuzzbox article out of all of them. I'd like to go back and read the others. <laughs> but there was one bit that, on a sad note, that struck me. One question they ask every single member is, what do you think you'll be like when you're 62? Mm. And, of course, Joe Dunn passed away in 2012. Yeah. And they ask her that question. And I, I'd forgotten when I read the article. And then when they asked that question, I was like, oh... Yeah, that's that's quite poignant. That's really oh. sad because yeah, she, 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 she was only, only forty three. Forty three, yeah. yeah, when she died. So yeah, not so amusing that bit, but um, yeah, they're just great. Look at them, and they're always in the military uniforms, and they're always fun. And um, I thought it was quite interesting. They talked about hair diffusers because I think I was, I think I had my hair permed about this time, and right. of course these are some proper good curly perms they've got going on here. Yeah, um, Max especially, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But Vicky as well. I mean, that's she's diffused the hell out of that. And I remember having an argument with a girl at school whether it was a diffuser or a diffuser. 
We had a massive row about it. I think it almost came to blows, actually. And, um, yeah, not long after, I got a job in a hairdressing salon as a Saturday girl. So I was able to put this argument to rest. Yeah. That it was absolutely... So it was this style that I liked, I guess. And being 13, the pop music still appealed to me. Yeah. So And, of course, they're from Birmingham, so... Which is not that far from where I'm from. I like. I just like, you know, when you were saying before, Rachel, about them just having fun. And yeah. It comes across in this, doesn't it? They don't oh, take yeah. anything too seriously. They they kind of take a piss at a lot yeah. with their answers, but they're just enjoying themselves, yeah. and yeah. you know, and it, you know, they were good fun. Yeah. Now we get to our first lyric of this issue of Smash Hits. Sam Brown, daughter of uh, Joe Brown, with a cover of Marvin Gaye's Soul Belter, Can I Get a Witness? Mm. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say about that was you sent the uh, link to the, the all the videos on YouTube, mm. and I thought, oh, I don't remember that video. Let's watch it. Did you watch it? It's got yeah. this really annoying, cheeky, cockney, chauvinist you know, like, yeah. guy in it who's obviously the person that she's, you know, putting in the stand. Yeah. And it, it, it is just horrible. He just says things back that obviously aren't, on the record, like, you don't have to live with her. Like, <laughs> it's just terrible. It was, bizarre. It was a strange yeah. choice to do that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and he's, and he's looking a bit like my... I don't know, sorry, it's not good for radio, but he's looking a bit like my dad over there, you know, like a bit of a gangster with that hat on. It's like, <laughs> it's awful, honestly, watch it. It's like, can you... Why have you done this? Yeah, yeah, but I loved her. I thought she was beautiful, and I thought her voice was amazing. So now we get to uh, the personal file, which yes. is uh, Stefan Dennis. Yes, look at him, Paul. clenching his fists. Oh. <sighs> Ross really does that too. Yeah. Is that a, is that a 1989 thing? I think it is. I think it means he's mean and he moody. It. He means it. He's got his leather jacket on. Uh, it looks like he's got very high waisted trousers on. I'm mm. not sure if he has or not. Um, but <laughs> that clenched face. But yeah, obviously Paul Robinson from Neighbours is where we all know him from. And another one of the Neighbours stars jumping onto the pop bandwagon. They're not on the carousel, they're on the bandwagon. They I are. agree. They yeah. are. But he didn't even sign up with Stockhagen and Waterman, did he, for his single? It was uh, Can I Make You Feel Good or something don't, like that. Don't, yeah. don't Make You Feel Good. Don't Make You Feel Good. Don't Make You Feel Good. Have you um, seen the video for that? Yeah. yeah, I had to revisit that as well. For most of it, he's pushing something very heavy, but you're never quite sure what it is. Is it a door? Is it a boulder? It's match from Neighbours. This is mangle in a box. <laughs> what is it? Seriously, he's just doing this for a very long time. Again, not good for radio. I, I, I think I might know it's what creepy. it was. What do you think it was? I think, because I saw him many years later when I when I lived in London, uh, south of the river in, uh, in Bermondsey. I was walking home one day from the tube station, just getting down to a, a crossroads, and he went past me in an old banger. That's it. So that's what it was. He was pushing, pushing the old banger. He was practising for yeah. when he was yeah. going to have to push his old banger. Because I was walking along and I'm like, that that guy looks really familiar in that car. <laughs> and then it was like, bloody hell, it's Stefan Dennis. <laughs> and he was like in some sort of play or something at the time in London. I have also got a Stefan Dennis story about him <laughs> popping up in a random place. It didn't happen to me, but a mate of mine, um, AD, I used to live in Hull. After I left Middlesbrough, I lived in Hull. And... I carried on working uh, at our price. So there was a, an hour price on White Frigate, Central Hall. And um, one day I went to work and Aidy was like, you never guess who was in the other day. I was like, what? So he was telling me the story. He said, he'd, underneath the counter at the at the hour price, they kind of kept stock. And, you know, so Aidy was down on his haunches one day, you know, sorting out a few tapes and CDs and whatever. And he kind of gets back up to counter level. And at his eye level, as he gets to the counter, there's like a little rocking chair made of pegs <laughs> rocking on the counter and he's like 
It's a bit weird. And, and he looks up to see who it is. And Stephen Dennis is stood there. He's in Panto or at some play, like in Hull. <laughs> and he's really, Stephen Dennis is really excited. He's come to, I can't remember now what CD he'd came to buy. Um, but he just bought this peg off a market, this rocking chair made of pegs uh, from a market stall, and he was really happy about it. And him and Aidy were chatting for about five, ten minutes about it. So he obviously just pops up in weird places yeah. where you wouldn't expect to yeah. see him, you know, with a strange story, either pushing a car or with a rocking chair made of but pegs. Not, but not mean, not mean. But, well, no. not yet. No. Not yet. Who knows? I bet tomorrow he'll be down your local Asda. <laughs> Who will you see at the cheese counter? <laughs> Stefan Dennis. <laughs> Could happen. Um, so it's the uh, personal file uh, where you get some of the uh, classic Smash It's questions. Oh, this is funny. What colour is happiness? Oh. Would anyone care to... Uh... Oh, gosh. That's a brilliant question. Mm, I'd have to say blue and yellow because yellow, uh, it's just happy. It's, it's just there. It's vibrant and it's happy. Yellow doesn't spell anything bad. And blue, it's the sky and the sea. And neither of those are bad. But what what we're putting them... What we're putting into them. ...is bad. Oh, yes, because now he gets quite political, it's doesn't he? Ecological, That's right. Yeah. But to me, they're happy. Mm, that's it. <laughs> like the ending. Well, that's it. <laughs> Part of Stefan Dennis' eco-warrior. Yes, yeah. because then he, then he gets quite cross about the Catholics, doesn't he? Oh, he does. He, gets he does. I mean, serious, he gets sir. really quite cross about this. If that bloody religion would sell off one third of what it is sitting in the Vatican, then it would feed the entire third world and clothe it too. It's terrible. I like where he talks about his hobby as well. They say, do you have a hobby? And I suppose I, th- I suppose the only genuine hobby I have is badge collecting. <laughs> I've got about 100 or so, and every single badge I've got has got a story, a place or a person behind it. I eventually got a leather jacket so I could cover it with badges, and I've got about two-thirds of my collection on it. The front <laughs> is pretty well covered, but I've got to do the arms yet. <laughs> Badges on the bloody well, leather jacket. Maybe, maybe his leather jacket's so heavy. That's, that's, why, he's, that's why he's moving strange in the video. That's why his car broke down. That's why his car broke down. His badges, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because that, that would have been another kind of ooh, fifteen years worth of badges that would have been uh, that have accumulated by there. And he also reveals that his uh, nickname is Stiffy. Stiffy, I know. That was wrong in a kids' magazine, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah. It's not good. And, and he also, uh, we also discover that he's not very good at improvising poetry either. <laughs> no. I thought his little limerick was all right. I thought he had a good go Go, go on, then. You, you, oh, right, you, right. well, you give us a, a rendition in your best. They just, they just say, can you make up a poem about Jason, obviously Jason Donovan, without using the words Larry Grayson? He says, ha-ha, oh, dear. There was a young man called Jason who was washing his face in a basin. Pause. He said, what? This water's not hot. Um, it's too cold to wash my face in. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! Now we get to uh, RSVP. Always good. Where you get a badge for uh, the letter of the fortnight. Now there's a, a few a few people who may may write to. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> there's uh, Stephen here. Says snarl. My name is Stephen, and I'm a 15-year-old metal mother who's into Guns N' Roses, Cinderella, Alice Cooper, etc. If you are a serious rocker, scribble away to your heart's content. Into. He's into 
guns. What, what yeah, you? we which suggests that, that you're not. Yeah, we should suggest that he's not <laughs> yeah. in, into uh, into those things. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked uh, one that says, "Good day, sports." I'm a completely crazy 15-year-old girl called Sarah who's looking for pen pals from every corner of the world. Now, this confused me a little. She says, I'm heavily into rap and house, but I also like you too, the best, brackets, in excess all about even the rhythmics. I don't know. I, I couldn't really see the crossover between being really into, heavily into rap and house, but also really liking you too and... Eurythmics. Right, she's very eclectic. This, yeah. this is the it's times. Fine. Yeah, it's these are the, the times. times. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. I, I don't know if that, I would have point. written to anyone there particularly. What about you, Rachel? Was there anyone there that you would have written to at the time? Um, no, I already had a pen pal, actually. Oh, from yeah. Smash It? Um, no, just put through school. Um, but no, we wrote to this uh, pen pal from Scotland. Oh, no, I thought you meant this person was in your school. No, Why no, are you lying no, to them? No. You see them school every day. set it up. <laughs> we were kind of twins somehow with another school in oh. Scotland. So, no, I used to write to her. No, I didn't really ever read this page. I thought, yeah, they all sounded like dickheads. <laughs> I mean, this one starts, yo. I mean, you've lost me at the first word there, really. So snarl I mean what did that mean I think it's like I'm, I'm rock okay yeah. he's a metal mother alternative spelling of mother there yeah. so watcher no not really QE no <laughs> you know I didn't really have much time for the uh, for the salutations so sorry <laughs> just write to my, my girl in Scotland And we get to oh, our, our front cover story. Yeah, uh, good The grief. Bross interview. You can take it from us that Craig will never be in Bross again. I mean, you know, having read this very recently, you can see that all that nonsense that we had to put up with in the When the Screaming Stops documentary quite recently, I mean, it was all there anyway, you know. <laughs> I was going to say exactly the same thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, absolutely. I was reading it going, this could be from that very recent yeah. documentary. You know, they yeah. were had no grip on reality <laughs> in any way. Clearly yeah, never I have mean, done. I stopped writing quotes down <laughs> yeah. and tried to narrow it down to my top three because it was like, this is ridiculous. It's, it's just so. that there's, there's, no, there's no maturity there, is there? But you'd think it's, now it, there might be. No, and there isn't. But this, they haven't grown no. or... They haven't nope. changed in any way. No, completely arrested development. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that they stopped at kind of like 12 years old yeah. or something like that. It is, um, yeah, just absolutely priceless, um, this piece. And quite long as well for, for mm. Smash It. Yeah. You get, you know, a good helping of photos and quite a lot of text as well. Mm. Um, would you like to take us through your... Uh, um, well, first of all, can I just say, let's give uh, the listeners a little bit of context here it is midday one o'clock in the afternoon when the reporter arrives and matt it's at matt's place which is somewhere in in london he doesn't really want to live there anymore his swank pad his swank <laughs> pad which apparently is very tasteful it's very light blue um and very minimally uh furnished apart from a sofa I'm and, told. His, and his high-tech kitchen yes <laughs> so that's quite nice uh but he's only just got up and then it's another two hours before Luke appears. So we're talking, because he sits down to watch Paper Mill at one, doesn't he? So it's maybe even getting for three o'clock when, when Luke arrives. And the journalist, I can't remember who, who uh, wrote this. Alex Caddis. It is, of course, yeah. Alex, of course it is. Um, he makes the comment that, um, although Luke complains about being very hungover, he makes the comment that he has obviously not had any sleep. So we're thinking, we're we talking class A's here. I think we might be, rather than just your normal hangover. 
and it kind of makes reference to his skin being still so mm. beautiful and pure. So to be fair, here they probably are hungover and drug addled. <laughs> Whereas when the screaming stops, I'm assuming they're not. No, that's them in their they're natural state. They're just still idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever chemical yeah. imbalance might be going so on, they're just that's idiots. That's the only so. thing I would say in favour of this interview, that neither of them really know what they're talking about because I think they've been on the razz. But interestingly, not together. No. But yeah, um, so this interest obviously because Craig's just left the band and got kicked out, whichever way you want to read it. Um, and they've also been briefed as to what to say and what not to say. And it's so funny because at times... They forget. They just, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes what they really think comes out and then they yeah. kind of stop themselves. It's full of contradictions. Yeah, well, the official statement is um, printed here in full. Yeah. Uh, in, in the article, mm. uh, which mentions lawyers and, and things like which that. Which is very interesting because then at the end of the interview, uh, Smash Hits, I'm sure I'm, I'm stealing somebody else's uh, point here, but Smash Hits <laughs> says that they'd agreed to do this interview for the benefit of Smash Hits readers and any part of this interview that appears in any other publication is a serious breach of copyright and will be dealt with by our fierce lawyers. Not just our lawyers. Yeah. Look at that pre-modification. <laughs> fierce yeah. lawyers. Love it. I mean, they're really putting the slap down here, aren't yeah, they, Smash they're saying, back off, news yeah, of the world of the sun. This is ours. ours. Um, but yeah, I mean, my one of my favourite lines is, uh, Craig really was going to be something like a bank clerk. <laughs> I mean, that's all he wanted. Yeah. So he just needs to be grateful for the ride, doesn't he? <laughs> and um, Luke, with I can't work out whether it's just him being an idiot or whether this is kind of um, kind of mock. It's kind of putting himself down. In a, I don't know if to believe him. He says, um, he, meaning Craig, certainly had more fans than I ever did. Shut up. Nobody's favourite was Craig. No. What's he talking about? This kind of mock modesty, <laughs> I think it is. And then um, when pushed by the interviewer, whether or not they did really lock him in that shed or in that sauna, Matt says, when you're 15-year-olds, you do lock people in sheds. <laughs> <laughs> you, de- you definitely do. Yeah, I mean, that's and, what, yeah that's then he what... says, yes, we did lock him in the sauna. <laughs> so, yeah. Shed and did. sauna. Or was the, sh- was the sauna in the shed? Couldn't really work out if that was two different episodes. <laughs> To, to someone out of Bross, a shed and a sauna may be the same thing. We don't we don't know what their understanding is. But no, go on. It was, well, it was littered with... My, my favourite bit was where they're talking about Craig um, leaving the band and it says, Luke, I mean, God, he was our friend. And then it says, Luke suddenly goes decidedly sniffy. This really made me laugh. It says, I mean, I can't believe it. I still haven't faced up to the fact that he isn't going to be in the band anymore. He's not our friend. He's not going to come round anymore and have a lager and a chat. He's not going to have a wrestle on the floor <laughs> and have a look around like he used to. It's really weird. <laughs> what adults have a, you know, you go around your mate's house and you have a lager and a chat and a wrestle on the floor. I mean, am I doing something wrong as a, as a man? Should I be doing more of this? I've never done this yet. But it's, what I remind, I don't know if either of you have ever seen Staff Let's Flats. Mm. But when I was reading um, this, I just thought, They've, like, invented the character of Staff, like, 30 years before, because the way he talks and the way he thinks about the world in this really, like, strange, off-kilter, childish way is... It's the way that the Bross boys are, like, in 1989, you know. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hilarious. It's, if, you, if you didn't know it was serious, you'd think it's an absolute piss-take. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like, with the, um, the documentary that was on, a lot of people saying, oh, maybe it's just a bit of a piss-take. No, Clearly, it wasn't it because wasn't. they, yeah. like, like you said before, yeah. they were doing this thirty years ago. Yeah. And yeah. They've just they've got zero self awareness. 
zero common sense. Um, I mean, God love them, you know, but uh, they're just naturally yeah. hilarious. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming uh, everyone listening to this that you've seen that documentary. Um, if you've not seen it, <laughs> do, do track it down in any way that you can, even if you think, I don't give a stuff about Bross, because I don't give a stuff about Bross, but I, I, I switched over just as it was starting uh, when it was on telly for the first time. And within moments, I was absolutely hooked. Oh. I was howling. <laughs> but by the end of it, I was feeling for them as well. Um, because it, it was you know, clearly quite a, um, a traumatic experience for them. Mm. So I don't think they've ever dealt with it. Mm. They've clearly been through years of therapy and you know, all sorts of things. And you know, that their sister died just as it was all kicking off and, mm. and all that sort of thing. Um, Cod philosophy, but, that's what's helped oh, me through. Yeah. Cod yeah. I mean, that's definitely yeah. helped Luke. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was coming out 100%. with it. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was, he was dropping those pearls. Yeah, I like, wish I could uh, remember some of the lines, actually, from it. Yeah. Yeah, like super, like Stevie Wonder. Um, <laughs> he ain't superstitious or, or something like that. <laughs> I've just got one, sorry, I've just got one more really funny quote that I remember. Right near the end, they're talking about the new musical direction. Oh, yeah. And yes. it says, tell me about your new LP. And Luke says, we call it um, PFR. No, um, RPF. Oh, <laughs> What is it, Matty boy? And Matt says, FRP, funk rock pop. <laughs> That's what we class our music as, our new music. The old stuff was pop, so that would have just been P, wouldn't it, I guess? There'll be 11 tracks on it. There's one about my granddad's wife. Not my grandma, my granddad's wife, who it died of cancer. Be. It might be, might be step-grandma. Yeah, I know. Yeah. In modern times, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, she died of cancer. It's very emotional. He cried when he heard it. And there's sister. And that's obviously about oh, the sister they talk about in the uh, documentary, don't they? Yeah. But I just love the idea that they've got a new musical direction. They're calling it FRP, <laughs> Funk Rock Pop. <laughs> if Luke can remember the initials, yeah, which he clearly can't. PFRPF, yeah. what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, when they're talking about sister in this one, Matt says uh, it was just piano, vocals and classical guitar. And it was lovely. And I really didn't want any drums. But Luke said, no, Matt. Let me have a go at this. <laughs> and he came up with a 17-part drum programme <laughs> that was just out of this world, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh-huh. That's what's good about it. And Luke chips in, we trust each other implicitly. Not anymore. Bit of Bobby Brown. Then we get to the, the centre plants. There's Nana Cherry. Yes, she's lovely. Um, half of Debbie Gibson's head. What a dweeb. What a boring dweeb. <laughs> she was so boring. Well, it was all about, because this is like, I guess, the year before, a couple of years before, it, you were either Debbie Gibson or Tiffany, weren't you? Oh, God, neither. Because they, 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 they were similar age. Yeah. Around the, the similar time. And me and my friend Chris, who I was talking about earlier, we sided with Debbie Gibson because... She wrote her own songs. Wow. She wrote her own songs. There was a lot to be said for that, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. there was. <laughs> Especially, you know, for 14, 15-year-old boys. We're like, yeah, she's doing what we want to do. And she, <laughs> she, bought, she bought her own equipment yeah. and she, she's done the... Yeah, she's not good, is she? You see on the top of the pops, her waistcoat, remember people lots of people wearing <laughs> waistcoats at the time, a very late 80s thing to do, matches her headband. Ah. A hairband. Oh, it's just no Dweebo sign off. <laughs> that was the one. Well, See, that was on my wall. Full, full, oh. glorious uh, centre spread of uh, Jason Donovan. Polka dot shirt. Big beaming smile there. He's beautiful, isn't he? Beautiful. And the very dark, sort of looming out of the dark. Yeah, isn't that, isn't Ra- it? it makes his skin more radiant. Yeah. 
But we, we, so you, you were a big Jason fan then. I was going off him by this point, but look at him, he's beautiful. I mean, I think it was just the aesthetic yeah. appeal by this point. No, I was definitely moving on in my musical taste. Kylie and Jason were very old hat. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'd kind of turn my back on Madonna as well. Yeah, it's all very 1988. Are you too? I was listening to my dad's collection, and as I say, you know, things like, well, things like Soul to Soul were starting to catch my attention. I knew that I was definitely heading in a different direction. And actually, although it, looking back, it was um, a pretty cheesy, rubbish song, you'd got some stuff there that um, sort of led me onto the Water Boys and the Levelers. I'm trying to think which song it is in there that's bit tacky um yes it was the Dan wilson one yeah that's second it summer of love that's yeah. right because me and my sister sang that a lot around that about around about this time yeah. on that holiday as well because it's so bloody catchy yeah and i think yeah well though looking back that's cheesy as hell i think that was a step to the water boys and the levelers yeah that sort of folky yeah thank, poppy thank kind you of... yeah i didn't write it down but <laughs> yeah. I okay well, that's that's covered in the single reviews that we will get to oh, okay. in a bit but we'll talk about it now that's, that's fine, fine. No, that's i think that there was always something about that song that I never quite liked. In theory, I should have liked it. Acoustic guitars, it sounded real. You know, they were yeah. keeping it real and all that sort of thing. But listening back to it now, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll like it. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll, I'll warm to it now. And I'm not doing And I think it's just, it's so pleased with itself. Yeah, it's, it's very, very smug. Very, very smug. Yeah. I, I, you know, acid on the radio, acid on the brain, acid everywhere you go, acid in the rain. Mm. Yeah. And they, they, they were clearly, clearly, very, very pleased with themselves. Mm. Too pleased with themselves mm. with that line. And it's just, yeah, they're, they're being far too clever, clever. And yeah. and I think that's what it is about it. And, you know, I, I couldn't put my finger on it back, back when I was 15, but I can certainly put my finger on it now. Yeah. <laughs> and say, I'll give it a rest. Yeah, it was very smug. Scoot on a few more pages too. The it's London Boys. The London Boys, the London Boys, the rubberiest people in pop. Now, what I like about this one, uh, this is a, a, a piece by uh, the brilliant Sylvia Patterson. But what I really like about this one, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to put the uh, put a light onto this because I can't. I'm going to have to illuminate it so I can see it. So down the the edge of the page. So again, um, <laughs> just the, the the layout and the design of this edition of Smash It is just just an absolute joy. <laughs> And they've got um, the, the London boys in various acrobatic dance uh, mid pose, mid moves, with uh, little little captions underneath them. Boing, yippee, uh, roosh. And um, then my favourite one, the bottom bottom left hand side. If, if you're reading this uh, edition of the mag, it hasn't got the the, the page number um, printed on this page, so I do apologise. Uh, but if you scoot to the bit with the London boys, look at the bottom left-hand side, and it's got, um, let's see, it'll be Edem uh, launching Dennis into mid-air <laughs> into some sort of backflip uh, as uh, De- Dennis is going, ah! <laughs> and then he disappears off the page. Yeah. So all you see is his legs sticking up in the air with a little caption, thud. <laughs> and I thought that, that just absolutely tickled me, um, <laughs> that one. But yeah, it's kind of the photo um, shoot is kind of described in the uh, opening paragraph for this. One, two, three, four, wee, crunch, mm. flaming Nora. There's a London boy walking on the ceiling of a photographic studio. Well, not exactly, but that's what it looks like because he's been turfed up in the air by his chum mm. and done an enormous somersault with legs akimbo. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's twisted. Uh oh, ambulance ahoy. Mm. Nah, it's all right. It was a somersault that was twisted. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good grief. There's no stopping these London boys with their enormous muscles and funny clothes as they leap into the air and do mid-air splits and spiral all over the floor, doing backflips from hell, etc. They don't even mind crashing into walls all over the place and causing the photographer palpitations as he watches the near destruction of his very nice studio. <laughs> I just thought, what an amazing um, introduction. So brilliantly um, descriptive and just absolutely puts you there as um, they're doing all these these crazy moves that, that you see kind of you know laid out around the, the edge of the piece. It's the, it's the interviews stuff. later that I enjoyed the most, I have to say, because right. um, they're both obviously fancy girls. I mean, they go to great pains to... Point that out. That. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's Edom. Edom? Do you pronounce it? Edom? No, I, I, yeah, we'll go yeah, with that. Edom. Yeah. Um, he fancies Kim Basinger. I haven't got a girlfriend, but I must say I do like Kim Basinger. Basinger? Basinger? I never knew how to pronounce it. I just like her personality, the way she acts. She looks good and she's not afraid to act silly, which I find good. Do I like big lips? <laughs> Ooh, er. Uh, bracket. Looks completely mortified. I've never thought about her lips. What a thing to say. <laughs> the poor guy's horrified. I mean, what kind of lips, you know, is he is he being asked to refer to here? I mean, she's quite well known for her parity lips, surely. Yeah. It's a, a relatively decent thing. Yeah, to... so it's one of her selling features. Yeah, oh, okay. but the poor guy, I mean, that's where the interview ends. Because <laughs> he needs some time to recover yeah. from that question. Well, Dennis, he fancies Paula Abdul. Of course he does. Yeah, I haven't got time for a girlfriend at the moment. It's true. But someone I think is really good, really jolly and nice, is Paula Abdul. She looks like a nice girl. She'll read that and smash it. Oh, God, I've really put my foot in that one. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Slap oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> big mouth. Um, yeah, I couldn't really remember much about their, their music, and I was actually thinking about London Beat. No. You know, yeah. I've been thinking about you, Chihuahua. That one. Let's see Stockholm and Waterman. I absolutely hated it. Yeah. So this was the point where I was like, Sonia, blah, Rick Astley, yeah. blah, London Boys, blah. I just hated all of it. Yeah. I just thought it was all fake. nasty. Yeah, it was. It was fake. <laughs> Don't even play their instruments. Yeah. Now, when I was uh, doing a bit of research, um, just, just looking into, just trying to clarify in my, in my own mind the difference between the London Boys and London Beat. <laughs> you know, I've got to say, Chihuahua, again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm remembering who yeah. London Beat are, because of Chihuahua. Um, but the London Boys, did you read what happened to them? Yes. They died. What, both of them? Both of them. No. In a car accident in Switzerland uh, in 1995. They were driving across the Alps or something and they were hit head on by a drunk driver. No. The two London boys died. One of their wives died, uh, leaving each of their ch- each of their children survived. And it was just, this is this That's is horrible. Absolutely tragic. Yeah, absolutely tragic. And it was just, you know, so I, I did. Why couldn't it have been Millie Vanilli? <laughs> I mean, they deserved Let's it. Let's not wish a car crash on anyone. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you could swap, if you, you could know. swap. I mean, uh, at least yeah. these guys could dance. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awful. I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't know. I didn't I know. I wonder that how many either. people in here are still alive. Yeah. We're clocking them up. Yeah, have yeah. to do a do a body body count body at the count. end of the back. But I did, I did have a little moment to myself oh, when I read that. Oh, that's really you know, sad. No, they, they, they do come that. across as just kind of like you know nice guys who you know enjoying what they're doing and yeah. and stuff. And 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 to, to find out that, that that they died in such a horrible mm. way. That's awful. Do we call that a fright mullet? What do we call that? That's going on. I think it's a king mullet. Yeah. King mullet. I had a I had a mullet. <laughs> 
What's, what's a mullet? It's a female version of a mullet. Okay. <laughs> it's end of level boss mullet, isn't it? Yeah. Though? It really is. King of all mullets. Yeah. That so, is, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, wacky Jeez. Pat Sharp um, with, with his uh, great, great mullet going on there. Rolled up sleeves on his sweatshirt. Looks like he's probably wearing a yeah, Capital Radio sweatshirt. It was a DJ on, on that, uh, on the original Capital Radio when it was just in London back then. Um, and he's reviewing the singles like we care what Pat Sharp thinks. <laughs> to be fair, he gets single of the fortnight, right? He, he does. He chooses um, Soul to Soul, Back to Life. Mm. Uh, brilliant. I don't have to listen to this one. Arrogant. He's that very Yeah, good. I know it really well already. I much prefer it to keep on moving. Yeah, it's an opinion that we didn't ask for, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think I think he's uh, absolutely right in uh, in choosing that one for mm. for single of the fortnight. And now we get a bit of a revelation in the review for um, Wasp. Oh, I enjoyed this. Yeah, so yeah. The, the the real makeover of the Who song, which is not acknowledged in this review. But Pat says here, let me take you back. To, let me take you back to my roots, and I don't mean the black bits beneath my highlights. I'm not going to keep up that voice. <laughs> I've got long hair because I used to really like this heavy metal stuff, but nowadays I must admit I'm not into it at all. Cut your hair then. <laughs> don't like any of the records. Don't find it entertaining. It's just not commercial enough. Just a mass of dandruff flying around while they shake their heads. Huh. It'll be a hit probably. What happens with records like this is the same as what happens with Morrissey records and Metallica records. They get no airplay. They just appear in the charts. Their fans rush out and buy them. Then they go straight out of the charts again the next week, and that's it. No one else buys it because the radio stations still don't play it. It's a turn-off, and radio stations need listeners to survive. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think Wasp are going to be really upset about yeah, it. Oh, Pat Sharp, yeah. trashed it. Be, be ab- Shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely devastated by uh, by that um, Pat Sharp insight there. Yeah, yeah. He mentions um, Danny Wilson's second Summer of mm. Love. We've discussed that. We don't mm. need to know Pat Sharp. But Pat Sharp says they're interesting lyrics. Oh, you know, when we were, we were saying, he thought they were they're clever, a bit, a bit clever, and a bit yeah. too pleased himself. Pat Sharp likes them. They're obviously well into the lead-free petrol and ozone layer and things like that. <laughs> There's a lot of mention of that in here, isn't there? Yeah. Ozone layers. There's a cultural oxygen, isn't it? It's yeah. kicking about. And lots of people refer to it. Yeah, yeah. very much. So. And from the sound of it, they're pretty anti-drugs too. <laughs> now I've got a bone to pick uh, with him on the next one. Eddie Grant walking oh, on yeah. sunshine. Now the version that's on the spot. Spotify playlist is the uh, original Eddie Grant version. The version that's on the YouTube playlist is the remix, which is the one that's 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 been reviewed here. Mm -hmm. Not as good as the original by Rocker's Revenge, which I remember playing way back when I was on Radio 1. Um, (laughs) No, Eddie Grant was the original, you prick. Um, (laughs) For someone who supposedly knows about about music, the inverted commas going on there, he knows absolutely faff all. Eddie Grant did the original of Walking on Sunshine. Rocker's Revenge was the cover. (gasps) And when I I read that, it was... um, yeah. Did it make ba- you piss boil? Ba- basic, basic knowledge, yeah. yeah. Boiling piss about yes. Pat Sharp. Good tune as well. Review of Eddie Grant. But it's yeah. a great tune. But the remix is absolutely awful. It was around about that time that you were getting remixes of like um, Reach Out, I'll Be There by The Four Tops yeah. and Lovely Day by um, Bill Withers. Oh, uh, yeah. So you're getting all the uh, clattery drums and you know, needless over s- uh, samples over the top of it and stuff like that. But the original Eddie Grant version of Walking on Sunshine, mm. a lot of his solo stuff actually from the 70s and 80s, absolutely cracking stuff. Okay. I, I have no issue with that um, whatsoever. Paula Abdul, do you think she's singing in tune on that one? I mean, her, her voice, I mean, straight up, decent pop song. Mm. She's kind of got away with and that one. And opposites attract. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that, great that's sort of the, the, the dancing cat in the video, isn't it? Yeah. Um, great but, video. The, but this one, she sounds like she's been strangled by her own voice. <laughs> and they've double tracked it. Like, <laughs> and then it's just, it's so out of tune. And there's no amount of like, you know, double tracking reverb and extra synth horns and drum machines that will ever disguise that. It is an absolutely atrocious song. But uh, Pat thinks it'll be a hit. Pat's an idiot. So let's uh, move on from the singles reviews. We'll leave Pat Sharp to his opinions there. He can boil in his own piss. <laughs> <laughs> it's the concert review with some sort of Stock Aiken and Waterman Hitman Roadshow. I wish I was there. That's in, in, <laughs> in Liv- Liverpool, Quadrant Park in a disco there. And this is, this is just fantastic stuff. Yeah. A real kind of snapshot of uh, pop music at the time. The Reynolds girls, I'd rather Jack than Fleetwood Mac. Now, that, that really got my goat, that did, because I was, you know, as, as a, a, you know, a guitar-playing uh, 15-year-old who's serious about his music, well, what's wrong with Fleetwood Mac, actually? Fleetwood Mac are quite good. I, was, I love Fleetwood Mac. I was yeah. quite serious yeah. back, back then. I was. Got quite on my, uh, my high horse about that one. Yeah, I did, and my dad. We agreed on this. Yeah. <laughs> Divided the nation. Um, <laughs> who'd rather Jack and who'd rather Fleetwood Mac? I, I didn't want a Jack or Fleetwood Mac, oh, to be honest. Fleetwood Mac. My dad was a huge fan. No, I was just, yeah, no. So you've got, um, on this showcase here, you've got Sonia. With the... Sonia. Huge hair. I mean, it's very um, mm, Carol Decker. She looks about thirteen, though, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, um, in trackies. Diffused hair. Diffused hair on Sonia. Yeah, the uh, delightful London boys. Big fun, uh, giving it some apparently. Oh, um, the irony. <laughs> and then little shot of Pete Waterman, uh, a band called Girls Talking. Except they're not. They're singing. There's a little caption on that one. <laughs> and then some comments from uh, the fans. But the, b- before we get to those. Um, talking about you, know, they're all on a, on a coach together, touring around the country. The tour is now on its sixth night. Each day they hop on a coach. This morning they're in Stoke-on-Trent and drive to another town, mainly places like Bolton or Hull, where famous pop folk don't usually bother to show their faces. On <laughs> the way, the Reynolds girls explain they all either listen to music... Uh, Ashlyn's favourite tape is one she made of the best bits from now. That's what I call Music 13. Uh, watch films. So far they've seen Dodgy War, Epic, The Wild Geese, which they liked, and Robocop, which was really rubbish. Or order Big Fun, a trio of not-too-ugly boys, <laughs> to make them tea. We never make the tea, says Linda proudly. We've got them well-trained. <laughs> Jason. Jason doesn't travel on the coach because he's only joining them on some dates of the tour in between promoting his LP... Now, Pete Waterman gives uh, Jason Donovan a, a bit of a treat on his way to Liverpool. So there's a little uh, bit here where the, the backstage or upstairs in a large room where all the bands are hanging out, only £2.50 to get into the show, what a bargain. It, it? is amazing. Yeah, um, so in, in this upstairs room, Pete Waterman is telling some friends about how he took Jason to see Rick Astley's father's garden centre. <laughs> Treats. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I guess must be somewhere around uh, Newton the Willows, where, um, where Rick's from. And how when some girls saw Jason in the car, they fell off their bikes. Jason is only just beginning to realise how famous he is. Again, fake modesty, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. He must <laughs> have known, modesty. surely. So there's uh, lots of screaming going on in this show, lots of uh, people passing out. And then you get to the, the public consensus here. So some little um, photos of the uh, some of the fans who are at the show. Gav, do you want to talk us through that first yeah, one? Yeah, well, it's there. just really funny. There's... Uh... 
they've got like groups of three, four, or you know, like in some cases about six, uh, six kids all together, and just ask them from some comments. So there's uh, Nadine, Louise, Donna, Yvonne, Joanne and Beverly all sort of 14 and 15 and they're saying things like, he's too gorgeous for words and the best <laughs> bit was when he blew a kiss and waved and stuff like that. He's brilliant, I only came for him. But my favourite bit is at the bottom there's three lads, there's Lee, 14, Colin, 15 and George, 14. <laughs> Lee says, it was sound like I was getting crushed but I didn't mind. All the girls are in love with him, aren't they? I'm into the Reynolds girls. <laughs> Question marks in, in brackets. Colin says... I went just for the buzz. I like when Jason was on because everyone was singing, but I prefer Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> Go on, lad. So, uh, yeah. Maybe he was like you, he was in a serious yeah. band. Yeah, and well, like yeah. Serious apparently musicians. Simon and Garfunkel were the big thing with all the uh, all the bands in Liverpool yeah. in the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they, they like that kind of stuff, don't they? Like yeah. 60s stuff yeah. and like love and, yeah. Yeah, well, you your cosmic scouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then George, George is the funniest 14. And I mean, I imagine this poor kid's the rest of his school life was probably tainted by this comment now that comes up. He says, um, I wanted to see what he sounded like live. I fainted and I was carried over the top and this blanket was thrown around me. Yeah. I've never fainted before. It's a bit embarrassing. Oh, poor George. <laughs> but, like, you just imagine, like, yeah. the next few years, oh, you're the dickhead that fainted at Jason Donovan <laughs> and Tom Smashes about it, you know. Yeah. There was a couple of lads above that as well, Damien, 15. It was boss. Yeah. I liked that woman the most, the fit one, Sonia. Jason is all right. And Tommy, who's 14. It was brilliant. Jason was gorgeous. Ha, ha, ha. Them three girls, i.e. girls talking, were good too. Um, so, yeah, that's... It's I mean, nice that they interviewed roughly the same number of boys and girls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's yeah. that's what um, I think is brilliant about this piece mm. is that it's not just about the pop Street stars girls, that are yeah. on there. It's about the, the kids who have gone sit, who presumably would have all been smash hits readers oh, yeah. and, or, or viewers, as, as they were quite often called in the hits mm. back then. So, I, yeah, I just love that um, they're part of this feature as well as the pop stars. Yeah. Really, really nice thing. Yeah, it's good. So we move on now to the final bit of the uh, review section, which is the album reviews. Tom Jones, at this moment, um, the album that features his um, cover of Prince's Kiss. It's also got a rather nasty version of the uh, Stones' Satisfaction on there. Because this is when Tom Jones, you know, he's, he's back in the charts again. And I remember I uh, went round to see my, grand- my step-granddad, Grandad Frank. <laughs> went round to visit him and he got the telly on. And Tom Jones was like, oh, Tom Jones, tell you what, that bloody Tom Jones, all he does is bloody shout. <laughs> Grandad Frank was absolutely right. Tom Jones, all he does is bloody shout. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but the, the, the review here, uh, the album gets a four, four out of ten, dull with a whopping great D. <laughs> and the, uh, there's a, an album here, Dirty Dancing Live in Concert. Oh, awful. <laughs> I don't remember this. My sister was well into all the dirty dancing stuff, watched the film endlessly. She had the uh, the soundtrack albums. But this is um, some sort of concert. So back in 1987, the film captured our hearts and souls, what with Patrick Swizzle pulsating pectorals and all that naughty dancing in the village pond. And now, in 1988, we have the live in concert LP from the Dirty Dancing Tour to try and capture our hearts all over again except it does no such thing. <laughs> Instead, it's a collection of mostly 60s tunes sung by a bunch of fairly unknown old croakers, such <laughs> as Eric Carmen, The Contours and Bill Medley. Who sings a medley? Hence the name. 
<laughs> None of this is very riveting. And if you take into account that there are a measly five songs taken from the original super film, then this LP is a complete swizzle. Hence the name again. It's terrible. Um, I've put one of uh, the Bill Medley's medley on the uh, on the playlist. Yeah. So I think he's doing um, Let the Good Times Roll and Sea Cruise, neither of which uh, I think appeared in the original Dirty Dancing film. And it's it just about as good as Tom Jones's version of um, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, to mm. be honest. Now, Queen's The Miracle, that was their offering of 1989. This one really brought back to me school life. In 1989, Queen were a massive band for quite a few of my mates at school. The, the guy who ended up being the singer in our band was a massive Queen fan. Freddie Mercury, proper showman. But it's that cover of The Miracle where their, their faces are kind of merged into one. They've got this giant neck it's... going on with a huge T-shirt. Yeah, they've got a neck like... Like Henry. <laughs> like Henry off the neighbours, yeah. And the face has um, melted all into one. Yeah. But our, our music teacher slash uh, English teacher who himself was a spitting image of Freddie Mercury. Um, Danny Lester uh, had a moustache going on. The the first lesson we had with him when we first started started at secondary school, he walked in, we were all like, (laughs) and we were all pissing ourselves laughing because we've got an English teacher like Freddie Mercury. But he'd managed to um, get hold of some posters from... HMV of albums that were coming out and one of them was a massive Deacon Blue poster for Mm. When the World Knows Your Name which I ended up with somehow but it was too heavy for the blue tech in in, (laughs) in my bedroom so I ended up giving it to the the guy who was the bass player in our band who um, he was a Deacon Blue fan as well as Huey Lewis and the News, Def Leppard uh, and and you too, quite a a heady (laughs) cocktail of of stuff there. Mm. So I ended up giving that poster to him because it just fall off in the middle of the night and scare the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, our teacher managed to, one of the posters that he got was a huge poster of the sleeve of the miracle. And in the the music room at school on this this kind of centre bit, he varnished, didn't just pin up, he varnished the Queen poster to the wall. Whoa. So it's not going to fall down then, is it? it's not going to fall down. Nobody's going to pinch it, except it went as wrinkly as hell. Yeah. Yeah. So not only did we have this this kind of like, you know, single-headed beast of Queen looking at us, but it was all wrinkly as well. And it just used to sit there in lessons, not concentrating on what was going on, just like looking at this post like, Oh my god! And, and and just seeing that, and that really, really brought it back to me. Was it like they'd been on one of those like apps you can get now, where you sort of see yourself in thirty years' time? Was it like Queen or Wrinkly as old? Yeah, man? but huge wrinkles. Huge. Just, yeah, oh jeez! It's like huge veins running down running down the faces and stuff. So that that was really. I mean, it's the stuff of nightmares. Really, mm. I'd have been a little bit younger. I'd have been uh, having nightmares about that one. So staying on the the subject of Queen, uh, we turn over the page and we get the lyrics for um, the latest single, I Want It All, uh, a proper Queen rocker. And especially it gets an interview with Freddie Mercury. Brilliant. Um, They're the only get him for a short amount of time. So, you know, they can only ask him a few questions and they begin by asking him, you look remarkably like Lord Lucan, the toff with a moustache who caused the rumpus in high society years ago by disappearing completely. And I think this, this confuses Freddie. Yeah, poor um, Freddie. A little bit. Isn't it? Are you saying that I might be him? Ah, that would be uh, more than a hilarious chuckle. Actually, now that you say that, 
I read the other day that they'd found his body in the marshes. So your theory must be that the bones belong to the real Freddie Mercury and that I am, in fact, Lord Lucan and have swapped places with him. I see. So he's working that out in his, in his, in his head there. Um, smash it. So what's the concept behind the new Queen LP? Oh, my dear. Just hungry fun. Hungry fun, you see. There's no concept. <laughs> hungry fun. Hungry fun. And then uh, they ask him about his views on the ozone. Oh, there. this now, is brilliant. And we talked about this, didn't we, that it's, yeah, it's the, as we said, the cultural oxygen just around with the acid rain and the ozone layer and... Yeah. And also, there was an advert a couple of pages back for um, cruelty-free cosmetics. Oh, yeah. And I remember seeing that advert. Um, I think it was the first time I sort of started to get interested in yeah. animal rights. The and rise of the body shop and all that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, me and my sister were massively into that. But yeah, when asked about the ozone layer, Freddie's, <laughs> Freddie's answer made me chuckle. Smash it's say to him, what are your views on the ozone layer? And Freddie says, well, anything Maggie does is fine by me because she's into all that. Does he mean Thatcher? I'm sure he means Thatcher, well, yeah. I'm pretty sure Maggie. she wasn't into all that. No, I don't yeah. think she was. It's not Mag out of Fuzzbox, surely. I don't think no. so. I don't think so. <laughs> and then this is the line that I liked. He said, no, I think it's quite hard for us to change all our fridges and things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> if we changed all our fridges and things, then that would obviously right, mean yeah. the ozone yeah. layer would be would be fine. Yeah. And then he said, um, also, it's very hard for a layman like me to comprehend the enormity of the problem, but I'll do my bit for it. I don't use any aerosols now. My armpits are my own. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Freddie. That's good. Fred, Freddie's own in his armpits there. <laughs> What's that got to do with Thatcher? Is that because maybe... He had a vision and he realised that she's closing the coal mines because she's actually, you know, into the environment and she realises that, yeah. yeah Is that some tenuous... I don't understand. I don't understand what he's talking about now. So we get to the, uh, well, the closing pages, really, down to the uh, the last few lyrics. Hear and cry violently. Song violently. (laughs) Honestly, to God, it makes my... Blood ball. Listening to that, it's like, it reminds me, you know when you go to the opticians and you have that pre-eye test thing where they do that thing of blowing the puffer in your oh, yeah. eye and you know it's coming and you know it's really unpleasant and you have to sit there and just wait for it to happen. The chorus of this is like that. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's sat there. Yeah. Who, who says violently, violently? Yeah. Oh, and also, just the juxtaposition between you singing about something violent yeah. but then it's this gentle, yeah, little kind of, there's nothing violent about it. Oh. But it's the key change for oh, the, the middle key, eight. Yeah, the key the change worst. for the middle eight is just, I switch it off. <laughs> I just, I mean, the chorus is bad enough, but yeah. the, the oh, key change in middle eight, I just hate anyway, but this one does it spectacularly it bad. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the dreaded saxophone. Yeah. Oh, the worst instrument of them all. Well, I mean, in, in the eighties, particularly oh, in the mid eighties, bad sex scenes. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's always there. The, mm. the, you know, the saxophone. It's just like yeah, and I don't even know what it's supposed to represent. Maybe sixties soul or or something like that. And Hue and Cry was certainly coming from that kind of soulful and, and jazzy background mm. but uh, a little bit of the celtic boys who mean it yeah yeah, I yeah. Mean, flawless complexions look at them yeah Beautiful. um and that pretty much brings us to the close although we've got one more lyric um lurking at the end um 
poison. Your mama don't dance. I guess these were riding on the coattails of Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses. I don't know. I think the glammy scene was something different, which I didn't really realise until I moved to Sheffield. Yeah. And then I met all these people that went to Rock City on a Monday night and oh, dressed yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, men and women. I yeah. had a flatmate in Broadlane Court and every Monday she would spend about four hours getting ready, crimping the hair, mm. putting on the fishnets, or the, you know, layers and layers and layers of makeup. And I went with her sometimes just because she was my pal and I was just dressed as a little indie kid and was completely, you know, out of my depth. But the, the, the whole alley cat, scratch, poison, choir boys, that whole thing was a massive scene. Um, you know, and these were kind of people who were definitely not goths. Mm, yeah. They were like, they were, they had two shitty, miserable lives. Mm. So they had to like something fun. So all the songs are about getting laid and getting drunk and they're all quite upbeat. And, and I could see, yeah, I could see why that was attractive, yeah. even though I thought their music was awful. This is the thing. I, I grew up in Sheffield. Yeah. So And in the early 80s, when people talk about Sheffield now, it's all Human League, Cabaret Voltaire, mm. Heaven 17, ABC and all that sort of stuff. But growing up at that time, yeah, Human League, obviously when they came on top of the pops and kind of blew, blew my eight-year-old mind and yeah. went out and bought their records and was obsessed with them for a while. But the big things in Sheffield in the 80s were country music and rock, heavy metal. Yeah. So typified by Def Leppard, Sheffield boys, who yeah. made it big in America and then came back. And so you know, all this big hair and stuff like that. And so many of my mates were full-on rockers, you know, they come to college looking, you know... Wearing lipstick and eyeliner. And that's just the boys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The the, the bandanas and, you know, the big hair and the cowboy boots and and all that That's it, always. And ripped jeans. Tight. Tight black denim. Yes, always, yeah. Yeah. But they call themselves the Glammies, the the people that I knew that went to Rock City. And it was very particular you know, genre yeah. of rock music. I didn't realise it was so niche. But yeah, absolutely everywhere. Yeah, but this song makes my skin crawl. It's awful. I know. Well, I mean, looking at the picture of them, you're expecting something a lot heavier and more metally and, and glam. And it sounds like... It makes your body body sound like can. You know, it's just like... <laughs> it's, my God, it's what a claim. <laughs> even Shaky would do a better version of this song, do you know what I mean? It's, it's so, like, just bland... Rock and rock, very, very, very tame, isn't it? Oh, yeah, written by Kenny Loggins. Yeah, would Loggins you know? Messina, yeah. yeah. So there's something really missing because, like, when I said, oh, Poison are coming on next, and then it's like, is this the right? Am I listening to Poison? I was <laughs> expecting something like really heavy, and it's just not yeah. at all. Well, is the, it? What was the other big hit? Was it um, uh, Every Rose Has Its Thorn? Yeah, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. And was it them? Yeah. Did they un- unskinny bop? Was that that man skinny? Ba, 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 Do you know I can't really it's kind of, it's vaguely, was Skid Row? I don't know. It wasn't Skid Row. No, they were right. more serious men. Right, okay. they, they were mean and moody. Right. Whereas uh, Poison were your good time boys. Right. But not my bag. <sighs> no. But lots of my mates were, were into them and looked like that. Well, that brings to, to an end. <laughs> Perfect this, place to end it. This uh, edition of uh, Smasher. It's, like I said, I approached it with some trepidation, I have to be honest, because even though I was still getting smash hits at the time, it was probably more out of habit than I than know. anything. Mm-hmm. So I was more, I was reading Q magazine. Uh, I was being a, a serious, serious music and record collector. I was getting record collector magazine, which, you know, pretty much train spotting. Mm. Um, that was. And, and I would read the Guinness Book of British Hit singles for fun. Mm. You know, memorizing catalogue numbers. So some of this was was a little I remembered them and because I was watching Top of the Pops and stuff, but some of it was a little alien to me now. I was a bit oh, 
I'm not going to find anything in, in this to talk about. But I just think the writing in it is just absolutely brilliant from beginning to end. And I think they really found their voice and their identity as, as a magazine. And it, it just feels like a whole thing. Yeah. And they're just absolutely ripping the piss out of these people mm. all the way through. Not in a horrible way. It's, it's no. more kind of observational. Yeah. But just so brilliantly written. Yeah. All, all the way through. So thank you for, for choosing no, thank this you. one. thank you. I thoroughly and, and, enjoyed that. And bringing it back into my life. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank fun. you, Rachel. Thank you for suggesting that one and for inviting us into your no, lovely house. It's been good. Anytime. And, you know, like Si was saying, I, I wasn't sure about it because I'd not been reading Smash Hits for a good few years before this. So, I mean, I, I'm, I can remember all, all the bands and the singers. But actually, I really, really enjoyed looking through it, and it really made me laugh so much, you know, and particularly the Bross interview. Yeah. But the thing about the Queen fans as well and the Jason Donovan live stuff, it was just great. So I had a real blast reading through it. So Yeah, uh, yeah me too. I was obviously brought back lots of... Actually, good memories. I didn't, you know, the, the whole so, Butlins so you experience. you weren't, weren't too traumatised no, by, by the, the, the confinement of that whole holiday? No, no, not at all. It was good. Thank you very much. And thanks to you for listening. Come and say hello to us at Giddy Pop Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, also, the website, giddypoppod.home.blog and you'll find those links to the edition of Smash Hits we've been looking at, along with those Spotify and YouTube playlist links for that extra layer of experience. And we hope you can join us next time on the Giddy Carousel of Pop. Giddy Pop Pod.